Good morning, you guys. How great thou art. Beautiful song. It should speak to each and every one of our hearts. We serve a great God. We're all here this morning to serve and praise and worship that God, to, to show him how much we appreciate him. We, we love him so much, and we just want to make sure that he knows that. You know, and I want y'all to know that I love him. I hope y'all want everybody else in here to know that you love him. Is that right? Amen. Amen. This is certainly not my first time preaching in this physical building, but it is my first time preaching to the Living Hope Fellowship in Sherwood family. That's a long name. <laughs> but it's a good name. It's a good name. But I, I appreciate Josh giving me the opportunity on my way out the door uh, to, to speak to you guys and to, to let you know that Jen and I love you. Ellen Cohen, love you. Um, we're going to miss you. We're, we're humbled to have been a part of this whole what's going on here today. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing. Uh, he's going to do some mighty, mighty things. I can see uh, Josh having to build a balcony up there or something here pretty soon to accommodate all the folks that are going to come to Christ here. Our scripture this morning is coming from Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16, my apologies, beginning with verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13, and we're going to read through verse 18. If you have it, please say amen. Amen. Oh, well, of course you have it. The scripture says, and this is the New American Standard. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was taking his disciples. He was asking his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Also, I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Amen. We're going to use for a thought this morning. What is in a name? What is in a name? If we look at our scripture, Jesus asked two questions. The first question he asked is, who do people say that I am? His next question was, who do you say that I am? And then he goes on to make a declaration about Peter. He says, upon your confession of faith, I'm going to call you Peter rather than Simon. And upon that rock, I will build my church. What Jesus is saying to him is, or to his disciples, they didn't quite get what Jesus was asking them. They answered this question the way most of us would answer if someone were to walk up to us and say, who are you? Oh, I'm William Merrick. It's nice to meet you. But Jesus is asking, who do people say that I am? They're not asking for names. They're not asking for, he's not asking for titles. He's asking, 
how do people feel about me? What's people's perception of me? And Peter is the only one who got it right. Now, some of us might not put a lot of weight on names. You know, there's a handful who really don't care. You know, great value is just as good as Kellogg or General Mills. But there are others of us who we won't buy certain clothes unless there's a certain person's name on the tag. We won't eat certain foods. We won't go to certain places. Names just mean a whole lot. But others of us could care less. I mean, I like, I like name brands as much as the next person, but, you know, if it's good quality, who cares? But the problem comes when people like the other disciples outside of Peter, when names are thrown around. I don't know if any of you have been bullied as a kid or even as an adult. Bullying doesn't just take place on the playground. It happens in school. It happens at home. It happens in the church house. People can call you outside of your name. And what happens when people call, call you outside of your name is sometimes those names can take root. They can anchor to your individuality and make you who somebody else says you are. So what Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? He's not asking because he's going through an identity, identity crisis. He's asking one, and I'll get to the main point after a while. He's asking because he wants to make sure they know who they are. We have to know who we are in Christ. I remember coming up in Natchez. I'm from Natchez, Mississippi. And for some reason, I guess you could call it ignorance or whatever, in certain cultures, in certain communities in Natchez, good grammar is frowned upon. Surprise, surprise. Good grammar is frowned upon. Good subject-verb agreement is people don't like it. And if you come around certain folks and you're speaking properly and you're using the right grammar and articulating your words properly, people will call you names for speaking properly. Can y'all believe that? They'll call you stuff proper, uppity, stuck up. And as funny as that is this morning, those names take root in a lot of people. And what happens People tend to, when it takes root, they're so desperate for the approval of the people in their culture, the people in their families, that they're willing to dumb themselves down in order to be accepted by their peers. What happens with that is they miss out on all that God has for them. Because what they do, inevitably, they start dumbing themselves down in school. They don't study, the grades suffer. They don't want people calling them a nerd. So now they have a terrible GPA coming out of high school, can't get into college. The military most likely doesn't want them. So now they've got to find something else to do, and they're on a trajectory to an impoverished lifestyle. And I've seen that happen to so many people, not just where I'm from, but everywhere. People tend to be intimidated or desperate for approval, and so much so that they're willing to give up their lives just for the approval of other people who really 
and truth don't matter. They really don't matter. So how do we overcome these names? Uppity and stuck up, those are fairly mediocre insults. But what if those insults start coming from your mom or your dad or other people that you love and respect? They start calling you a failure, a loser. You'll never be anything. Bringing it to this day, people might judge you on who you used to be. They might call you an animal because you used to fight a lot. They might call you a gambler, a fornicator, an adulterer, a murderer, a drug addict, an alcoholic. What happens when people put these labels on you and you allow them to take root in your spirit? How do you deal with that? Well, my goal this morning is to help all of us understand the main point. Our identity is only found in Jesus Christ. If we don't have Jesus Christ, we'll live our entire life with an identity crisis. So many people we see today, they, you have men who don't know they're a man. You have women who don't know they're women. They feel like they're something else. It's an identity crisis. And not saying that they're not good people. You have people who struggle with addictions. They still see themselves as an addict when God sees them as a victorious saint, as a child of God. So how do we deal with this? My goal, again, is to to prove the point that Jesus is our identity. So one thing that we have to do, first point, to get past these names that we've been called, is one, we have to recognize our name does not determine our heart. Our name does not determine our heart. In 1597, from the pen and mind of William Shakespeare, came one of the most acclaimed stage plays ever written. It was first published in 1597. It was published again four years later with some changes in the wording because it was a little difficult to read. Anybody ever read Romeo and Juliet? About five, six people. (laughs) But Romeo and Juliet is a story about two young people who are from opposite sides of the track. Young lady, a young man, and they're in love with each other. The problem is one is a Montague, the other is a Capulet. And back then they had kind of a Hatfield and McCoy type of thing going on. They just could not get along. They would just as soon cut each other as talk to each other. But they're in love. They want to be together. They want to get married. And they're stressed out. So one day, as is the fashion of William Shakespeare, they're all lovey-dovey. Oh, Romeo, I love you. Juliet, I love you. But we can't be together. So Romeo's depressed, and he's, oh, baby, I love you, but I don't want them to hurt you. I don't want my family to do anything to you. And Juliet's, I don't care about what them people say. I love you, too. We need to be together. We should just run off. And Romeo is depressed, and he's all down on himself. And finally, Juliet's like, Romeo, you know what? I love you, and I want you to hear this. And she says one of the most eloquent, romantic, mushy things you've ever heard. She says, what is in a name? 
that which we know as a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So what she's saying in just that one sentence is your name does not determine your heart. Your name is not what I'm in love with. It's your heart that I'm in love with. And God feels the exact same way about us. The word name in the in Proverbs is translated uh, identity, your character, who you really are outside of your name and what you look like. So what she's saying is, I love you, the person. Even if your name wasn't Romeo, I would still love you. My name is Capulet. If my name wasn't Capulet, would you still love me? Of course he would. And God feels the exact same way about us. If we didn't call ourselves Christians, God would still love us. If we didn't call ourselves saints, God would still love us. God loved everybody before the word Christianity even came along. So the name doesn't mean anything. The title doesn't mean anything. But there's a couple things we have to understand with that, um, your name not determining your heart. One, a good name does not make you a good person. No more than a bad name makes you a bad person. The country we live in, statistics say 85% of people in this country claim to be Christians. Do y'all believe 85% of the people in this country are Christians? The title means nothing. Christian means, the suffix I-A-N means like. To be Christ-like. How many people do we know personally who are truly Christ-like? We try. We're saved. Our names are written in the book of life, if our trust is in Jesus, of course. But how many of us can truly, truly say we're Christian? How many people who just show up on Sunday mornings, and I I promise I'm not judging anybody. Please keep coming to church. (laughs) But how many people show up on Sunday mornings and claim to be Christians, and that's all the Christ-like activity they do throughout the week? That's it. So just calling yourself something doesn't make it so. What a lot of people want, they want the benefits and privileges of Christianity without the responsibility. I can remember riding in traffic and I was stuck in 430 Baton Rouge traffic coming across the I-10 bridge into Baton Rouge. Oh, that traffic is so bad. I'm kind of glad I don't work at Dow Chemical anymore because that was every day. So anyway, I'm sitting in traffic and I'm thinking, you know, it'd be really cool if I had some blue lights and a siren on my truck right now. (laughs) It would be so awesome. People would just part like the Red Sea and I could just go ahead home, no problem. But I'm not a policeman because I don't want to be a policeman. I don't want that responsibility. My nerves are bad. I couldn't handle it. I wanted the benefit of being a police officer without the responsibility. And that's the trap that a lot of people fall into. They want to be a Christian. They want people to see them as a Christian. It might just be good for business, might be good for their reputation. But all in all, they don't want the responsibility. The other side of that is some people have a reputation and a history of being a bad person, of being a bad name. 
15 years ago, somebody were to come to you and say, do you know William Merrick? They'd probably not be asking for a very good purpose. They'd probably be asking to see what's going on with him. Who's he hanging out with now? What's he got going on? But who I used to be is not who I am today. I got a friend I went to college with. There was three of us. One of them is a preacher, too. He just got ordained a few weeks ago. Thank God for that. But, man, we were college. Ooh. When we went to college, we went all the way to college. We, went, we, did, we did everything college students are supposed to do. Unsaved college students are supposed to do. I mean, we, oh, we did it. Fighting, drinking, partying. Lord, we did it. But that third friend, he is not saved yet. We're praying for him, but he's not saved yet. I got a call from him maybe a year ago. And the first thing out of his mouth, Will, Joe, he called me Joe, because once he met my dad, he realized where I got it from. Joe, man, you remember that time you got in a fight at the club and you dragged that guy across the car and left him on the side of it? I'm like, dude, I'm a preacher. I don't do that anymore. I don't fight. And I mean, truth be told, yeah, I used to fight. I didn't like it, but I was one of those who got easily offended. And if you step up, then yeah, that's what's going to happen. I'm not proud of it, but that's who I was. Just like a lot of you, who you were is not who you are today. Thank God for that. If we were still who we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago for some people, a lot of us would not want to be sitting beside you in church right now. Does he have a gun on him? What's that metal clanking I just heard? You know what I mean? People just, people abide, they, they stick you in the, the past and they call you who you used to be. And God says, come out of that. Who you used to be is not who you are. I've seen your heart from the very beginning. I want you to dwell on who you are right now and focus on that. So if you wonder who you are and we say what's in a name, that's going to help you remember who you are and what's in the name that Christ has given you. Remember that you are not who you used to be. Your identity is in Christ and your name is not adulterer, fighter, whatever. You're better than that now. Point number two. If you struggle with what's in a name, if you struggle with the identity that Christ is giving you, we have to be bold enough as Christians to stand up for ourselves. It's okay to stand up for ourselves. A lot of Christians have the misconception that we're supposed to be all humble and sheep-like and let people just run over us. That's a lie. That's a lie. True enough, we're not supposed to go out and start stuff. We're not supposed to fight and do like we used to do. But it's perfectly okay to stand up for yourself as a Christian in love. I mean, Jesus even did that. The problem with standing up for yourself as a Christian is sometimes people take offense to it. It's okay to say, look, I'm not like everybody else you've heard about. True enough, there are some bad Christians out there. That's not me. It's okay. I remember I was taken, and I hope I don't embarrass her by telling this story, um, I have a young daughter, 
And I'm trying to think how to word it, so y'all be patient with me. I have a young daughter, and she's taking dance classes. She's been taking dance. She's doing really well for about three months now. And a few weeks ago, I picked her up from dance class, and her and one of her friends came out of the door. They're laughing and giggling. They're talking. And they're just playing. And I know her dad, so her dad and I were talking. Once we concluded our conversation, like, okay, ladies, it's time to go. And the young girl said bye, and she called her out of her name. That wasn't a bad name. It just wasn't her name. And I noticed the countenance of my daughter changed from just absolute joy to just totally sad. And as a dad, that did something to me. And the little girl just did not quit. She wouldn't stop. Bye, that name, that name, that name. I'm not going to call it because I don't want to embarrass her. But bye, bye, bye. And everything in me as a protective dad wanted to tell the dad, hey, man, get your kid. She's hurting my daughter's feelings. Do something. And the Lord dropped in my spirit, don't fix it for her. Don't fix it for her. Make this a teachable moment. So we walked to my truck. I put her in, and she held it together till she got inside the truck. And as soon as she sat down, little tears just started. And I could still hear the little girl in the background. And by this time, I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> get her. But... The Lord said, make this a teachable moment. So I told my daughter, I said, baby, you know what your name is, right? Yes, sir. I said, why does it bother you? I don't know. I said, baby, don't worry about what people call you. People are going to call you much worse things than that. All you have to do is know who you are. None of, that, none of the other stuff matters. I said, outside of that, it's perfectly okay for you to stand up and say, look here. That's not my name. If you can't call me by my name, it's probably best you don't call me at all. I said, you understand that? Yes, sir. I'm like, try it. (laughs) And she did it. That's not my name. And she yelled it out, a little tear still there, but she's smiling by now. But that's how we have to be as Christians. It's perfectly okay for us to stand up and say, listen, you can call me by who I used to be all you want to call me, but that's not my name. If you can't call me by my new name, by the name that Christ gave me, it's best you not call me at all. It's in both our best interests. Same thing with the enemy. We have voices come in our heads reminding us not just who we used to be, but making us feel like we can't do what God has called us to. I'm sure as a pastor, Josh knows that you get those voices sometimes. This is too much for you to carry. You cannot handle this. You're going to fail and everybody's going to see it. You want to start a business. You remember that last business you tried to start? It went bad, didn't it? You remember last time you went to school? You flunked out, didn't you? You can't do it. Those voices are constantly going to bombard you until you step up and say, I am a child of God. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Jesus has washed me in his blood and made me new, and now he is my strength. I don't have to be strong, because his word says, where I'm weak, he is my strength. That's all I need to know. And we can push forward in knowing that. It's perfectly okay as a Christian, and that's the type of standing up I'm talking about doing. Throw your shoulders back and declare who you are in Christ. Let people know, listen, I'm well capable to take this land. I'm well capable to pass these classes. I'm well capable of starting this business. 
I'm well capable of running this church. With Jesus on my side, I cannot fail. As long as I'm following him, I cannot fail. Everything I do will prosper. Remind yourself of that every now and then. Because the enemy is not going to stop. He's been around for a very long time. He's going to constantly try you. He's going to constantly come to you and tell you you're unworthy. You're not good enough. You're a failure. You're a loser. Constantly. But you have to know who you are and know that your identity is found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Point number three. If we struggle with it, if point number one fails, if you can't remember that your heart doesn't, I'm sorry, your name doesn't determine your heart, if you forget to stand up for yourself, this is your final chance. Jesus in the scripture says, who do you say that I am? Peter comes again. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Jesus does not ask questions out of curiosity. Y'all realize that, right? He doesn't ask questions because he needs to know. He doesn't ask questions because he's ignorant. Every question Jesus asks is rhetorical. It means he knows the answer already. If he asks you a question, he's asking because he wants you to know what the answer is. He wants to make sure that you know and are secure in the answer. So when Jesus is saying, who do you say I am? He's thinking about what's to come. If you read further down in chapter 13, it starts talking about Jesus' crucifixion and all the persecution that the church is going to come under. Jesus knows all this. I mean, he's God, but he's a prophet. He's already foreseen everything that the disciples are going to have to go through, all the battles they're going to have to fight. He's already foreseen this. And if you're going to fight the battles that God is going to allow into your life, you have to be secure in who your Savior is. You have to be secure in who you're following. And that's the point for number three. Know who you're following. If you don't have a good, strong relationship with Jesus, life is going to tear you up. It's going to beat you down. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it because you're basically fighting a spiritual fight in the natural None of us is that strong. None of us can handle it physically, mentally, emotionally. It'll break us down every single time. It's hard enough as a Christian to fight some of those battles. Imagine if you didn't have Jesus, how hard those battles would be. When the flood hit in 2016, Jen and I were cleaning the house out. We were gutting it. Well, helping to gut it. And Jen's oldest brother, older brother came by and he was helping us. And Jen and I are cracking jokes. We're smiling, throwing water at each other and you no know, muddy, nasty water. And we're just laughing about it. I couldn't do that today because it wouldn't be a funny situation. <laughs> but we're out there and we're working and her brother just stops all of a sudden. And he says, tears coming down his face. Man, this is amazing. And we're like, what are you talking about? He says, you guys house is completely destroyed. And y'all are out here cracking jokes. How can y'all do that? We're like, man, it's God. We know God's going to fix this house back. We're not worried about this. We got insurance. <laughs> but even if, even if we didn't have insurance, even if we didn't have insurance, 
we know that we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can imagine. So yes, in the toughest of times, we can crack jokes. We're not perfect by no means. Lord, we're not perfect. But we know that we serve a God who is. And he is well capable to bring us through any storm we go through. So I want to encourage you this morning, whatever you're dealing with, whatever your past looks like, whatever your future looks like, whatever your present looks like, know that God, know that Jesus Christ is your identity. If you struggle, I've heard parents calling their kids losers, idiot, stupid. I've heard parents, mothers calling their daughters out of their name, promiscuous names. I've heard sons, fathers calling their sons, emasculating names. But there's a way to get past all of that. Know that those names don't define you. They don't determine your heart. Know that it's okay to stand up for yourself. And finally, know who you're following. Amen? Amen. In just a minute, Josh is going to come. If he wants to come now, that's perfectly cool. But we're going to open up and allow three stations up here for prayer, for communion, and for giving. Anybody who struggles with their identity, anybody who's had issues overcoming the identities folks have tried to place on them, and you're ready to get past that, I encourage you to come up for prayer. The elders are going to be up here as well. I encourage you to come up for prayer. Ask God to set you free from those bounds. Break the chains. Help him to help you to deal with getting past all that hurt, all that pain, all those things back probably the majority of your life. God has a brand new life for you. There may be only one or two that have had that, but I imagine it's probably more. Many of us have struggles. Many of us have trials. Many of us have insecurities, but God will see us through every single one of them. Amen? Amen. Amen.